psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power, but we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Take fucking four. <laughs> Take four, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show, and uh, you're probably wondering, well, what, the, what do you mean, take four? What do you mean, take fucking four? And what the hell kind of a way to start a show is that, Mr. Mike Brancatelli? Well, that is me. This is Mike Adelic. Hi, hello, how are you? I missed all of you beautiful, wonderful people. It's been a while. And uh, what I meant by that is, is this is the fourth time now that I'm recording a solo show. Uh, and this is really, really rare. So, by the way, this is going to be a solo cast, a uh, solo episode. It's just going to be me. And um, if you're familiar with the show, uh, I, you know I put out lots of solo shows where it's just me ranting and raving about whatever's going on. And uh, I've now tried to record myself four times. Three times. This is the fourth time. Hopefully, I'm not going to delete this one and we can put this one out. Um, I'm really uh, feeling really scattered, shattered, and um, just off. You know, I think being away for so long, living in the Amazon jungle and being outside of America, being disconnected and not recording solo episodes, uh, it's, uh, it, it feels a little rough to try to hop back in. I mean, uh, I was putting out an episode a week, sometimes bonus episodes. And, um, you know, when I was away for three months, I, I only put, I only put out, I think three episodes. Um, yeah. And I just, I gotta say again, you know, thank you so much to everybody who sticks around. I mean, you know, I know, I know sometimes you're, it can be annoying because you're, especially the supporting listeners, you're probably like, well, we, you know, you were expecting new episodes and this and that. And, but uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's um, it's. I guess it's been pretty rough. I mean, it's definitely there's definitely a serious integration period that that has to happen in terms of kind of like reacclimating to the environment of the Western world and coming back after living in a tribal sort of community of, uh, you know, in in the Amazon jungle in Peru uh, and being there for for such a long period of time just to then hop back into this sort of plugged in digital matrix world. Um, it's been, uh, it's been, it's been difficult for me. And I think that, um, I think I've had some hesitations. I recorded a couple episodes and I didn't feel confident in them. Number one, there, I was smuttering and pattering and spattering around like some freaking uh, idiot. And, uh, 
this is very this is very not natural to me. I feel I feel a little off. And so apologies in advance if this episode is off or, or whatever, but I don't feel like I'm really connecting this sort of like frequency of flow that sometimes I would be able to get into. And I think a lot, a lot, a lot to, uh, to do with that is that like the, the sort of palpable rage that had been fermenting at the top of my mind almost on a 24-7 basis from being plugged into this, to this world uh, that I've been living in here in America uh, is not really there anymore. <laughs> so it's like, hey, thanks, uh, thanks, ayahuasca, for making me more centered and more calm and more rational and reasonable and and peaceful. But I'm not like fomenting with rage. I'm I'm not like seething with with an undercurrent of. <laughs> of rage against the crony, corporate, plutocratic, warmongering, rapist state. Uh, I, it, of course, I still feel the same way. Uh, you know, I still, have, I still have sort of, you know, my, the same sort of ideas about, uh, that I talk about on these shows. I haven't really changed it, my mind about anything, but it's just the, the added, like, I don't know, the atmosphere or the attitude that I have. I, I mean, I've been away for such a long period of time. I've I've gone through so much so many things and I feel like I'm I'm learning a lot of new um pieces to the puzzle that I want to put together. And one of the things that's been one of the things that's really been bothering me has been like this idea of who the fuck am I? Um like who who am I to talk about these ideas? Who am I to say such things? What authority do I have? You know, what gives me sort of the, what gives me the, uh, the right to, to speak in the way that I, that I do about the things that I do, you know? And this is, this is something that, uh, this is something that goes through my mind, right? I mean, it's, it's, I almost feel like in this world, it's sort of like, you have to sort of pick a personality, an image, and go with that. And you know, this again, this could just be this could just be a, a projection of my mind. You know, who cares? But for example, if you go and check out my YouTube channel, right? I have some comedy videos on there, some videos of doing impressions, and then I have some like really serious videos that are like fucked up and like like talking about like really heavy subject matters like the war and and you know the killing of of innocent people and um you know all this kind of stuff and it's like well who am i like who who is mike brancatelli because when people when people see me in my regular life like for the most part most people seem to really like me and and I seem to be like a very easygoing, affable, gregarious kind of person. But if you were to read through some of my tweets, or if you were to read through some of my Facebook posts, or if you were to watch some uh, some of my YouTube videos, I don't know what kind of impression you would get. Like maybe it would be something like, "Well, this guy's a little unhinged," or "This guy's a little angry," or "This this person's like a conspiracy theorist," or "This person's like a crazy person," or something. And you know, um, but I, I, I guess I'm kind of sort of, what I'm trying to say is I'm, I'm sort of wrestling around with this notion of like, what can I do? Can I do all of this stuff? 
Can I make comedy? Can I talk about serious things? Can I be silly, goofy, and absurd and talk about like really serious matters? Will that affect, like, I don't know, you know? I, I, I want to say yes because that's what I care about. That's what I want to do. But I also f- feel like this is just, this is just shit. This is shit. I'm here, you know, I'm keeping this in. I'm, I'm keeping this, this in. I'm not, I'm not deleting this. Because here I am going off about something that most of you people listening are probably just going to be like, yeah, dude, just do it, man. Just do your thing. <laughs> and, um, and, I, and, I, and I plan to. I plan to. I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like I may be lost I lost a step or I lost a groove that I was in and I don't really feel like I'm really hitting it anymore. And you know, I, you just, you just heard me kind of like stop myself and just criticize myself. And you know what? I, I could, I could delete this podcast right now and I could start over again, but I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because I got to get something out and I got to really just try and communicate from a place that where I'm at, like, like, hello, everybody. Here I am. This is where I'm at. I'm sorry I'm not polished, psychedelic, flowing with, you know, uh, profound insights or, or whatever. It's just not happening for me right now. And, but I do want to talk about what's going on. I do want to talk about my, my process. You know, I, I said I was going to do a show that was going to talk about my ayahuasca journey and how it was going to go down there. And I felt a little bit of pressure on myself to do that. I don't know why. I, I mean, I had this idea of going down there and documenting the trip, and I think it all kind of aligns to, I got so, I had, I had so much positive feedback from my ayahuasca series, the four-part series I did about my ayahuasca journey the first time. People said so many good things, and you know what? I felt really good recording that, too. So I'm not surprised that people said really good things about that. I felt really good recording that, and I felt like it was appropriate to tell that that story in the way that I did in the, in the sort of four-part episodic adventure. And this time I've been trying to do the same thing and I'm, I'm realizing that I'm trying, to make, I'm trying to recreate something that was just a moment in time and that I can't recreate it again. And I'm kind of forcing myself to fit it in. And it, it do, it's not going to fit in. It doesn't have to fit in. So with that being said, as you can tell, this podcast is going to be just kind of a thinking out loud share cast. Like I'm just going to be sharing with you people much in the same way that I would be sharing with people when I was down in Peru. We would have sharing circles and people would open up about their experiences and what they're going through. And, um, and this is what it's going to be for this show. And, um, you know, I'm not going to, to be telling the, the ayahuasca story um, right now. Uh, I, I, and like I said, I just... It's just not, it's, it's just not where I'm at right now. And, um, I think it, I think it has a large part to do with the fact that like, I'm still processing so much of this, you know, this mission to space that I went on and now I'm back on earth and I'm like, okay, Stella's got to get her groove back, baby. <laughs> uh, Mike Adelic's got to get his groove and got to get his mojo back. Like, I feel like 
I feel like Austin Powers when he lost his mojo, baby. Mr. Powers, I would like you to die. One of, the, one of my favorite movies, the original Austin Powers, the first one, not uh, the second or third one. Those were okay, but the first one was just classic, classic uh, satire, uh, spoof of, uh, of all like the golden eye and all that kind of stuff. When I was insolent, I was placed in a burlap bag and beaten. Dr. Evil, great character. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, one of the greatest lines from that movie is uh, when they unfreeze Austin Powers. And he's like, where am I? And they're like, the year is 1990, 1997, Austin, and you're in London. And he's like, well... As long as people are still having promiscuous sex while experimenting with mind-expanding drugs, I'll be sound as a pound, baby. <laughs> I always love that line. Great movie. Austin Powers. Check it out. First one, if you haven't seen it. It's pretty funny. Um, so, so, this, so this show, like right now, like, you know, where I'm at is that... <clears throat> I feel maybe stuck or conflicted or unsure of where I want to go with what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and um I have a lot of a lot of Excuse me, I have a lot of things on my mind. Um, I, just, I just think that uh, this sort of, the coming back. You know what? Maybe I should talk about that. Maybe I should talk about how coming back after being in the environment that I was in, let me describe to you the environment that I was in first. The environment that I was in for three months was one that I was disconnected from the internet. I had zero internet connection except for when I went to town, which was either, which was sometimes once every three weeks and sometimes once every four or five weeks. But I had zero internet connection and I was living in a wooden hut in the Amazon jungle um, with a temporary community of guests and a sort of more permanent community of staff people and local people. And the vibe there was very much of one of the, 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 what I talk about on this show as being something that is, I think, a something that we've lost along our way. And I think a large part of the reason why the psychedelics, uh, so, you know, that ayahuasca and, and other psychedelics are making such a, a big comeback and, and people um, are able to heal from a lot of traumas and things like that has a large part not to do simply with just the substance, but the community around the substance, the community that that gets created of the of people and and the place where I was 
was a was a perfect representation of the, of the kind of communities that we should be living in as human beings and the kind of communities that we're biologically built for that we've evolved to live in where you know we're supporting each other i mean this this idea that we have here in the west of technological advancement and scientific advancement and even advancement in medicine and you know the purification and the sanitation of of all of this kind of stuff we think that we're heading to this sort of like clean world of of superiority and progress and it's 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 progress for for who for what it's like where are we going what is it all for right and the vibe that i get from being in the amazon jungle living in this community space with people is is one where it's like the des- there's no real desire or yearning to be achieving something uh that is I don't know, like a, in some kind of like superior material way. It's where everybody is, is, is there supporting each other and helping each other. And the conversations that you get in with people are really deep and really, and everybody's really ripe and, and open and ready to explore the depths of their, their own mind and their psyche and their consciousness and, and and their heart and soul and and people are willing to go to places to to have these these deep talks and these deep conversations people are willing to lend a hand and people are have you know there's there's patience and 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 calmness and, and you know there of course were times where people were you know not in full alignment with all of those things but it's um it's just amazing to me uh, that, you know, I, f- I feel like a foreigner coming back. It, it, like, I feel like an, like an alien almost coming back into this environment. There's so much here that is, that is good, right? And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that the West is, is a terrible place and we should burn it all down and civilization is, a, is, a, is a, you know, is like a prison. but. Then again, maybe it is, you know, maybe it is, maybe, maybe we've just constructed a really, really, really nice, maybe we've just constructed here in America, like, you know, a really very nice, large outdoor prison, you know, I mean, (laughs) it's not, it's not that far-fetched to, far-fetched i mean it's it's the reality of the truth is what it is right i mean that's that that sort of is the reality of of what of what it is as soon as you have people who are ruling over you you're not free you're not you know when you're when you're living in a small tribe a band of brothers and sisters who are like-minded individuals that are coming together and voluntarily agreeing upon how things should be with each other. That seems to be the best way for human beings to operate. That seems to be the best way to make sure that everybody's healthy and happy and people don't have anxiety and depression and thoughts of suicide and, 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 and all this like crazy shit that you feel in the energy, in the air, in the atmosphere. As soon as you land in America, it's like, holy shit, this is the land of anxiety and insecurity and worry and, 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 and just like hysteria. It, it, it's, it, it's insane. I mean, we have such a massive country. There's so many people here that it's, 
you know, there's so many different perspectives, but, but, the, but the dominant perspective, the dominant paradigm of our current cultural climate in time right now is one of hysteria, panic, um, depression, suicide, uh, hysteria. It's, it's, just, it's just not conducive to fostering the best and brightest qualities of what a human being has to offer in this world. And we can do better. We can do better. But we're not. Because we're not paying attention. And I notice myself getting sucked into the social media clusterfuck and the, and the attention-grabbing slot machine, casino, dopamine-releasing apps of social media, so I deleted all of them on my phones. You know, these people are, 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 everything nowadays is designed for a few different things. One, to collect your data to, so they can sell you things and keep you under control. I mean, that's a, a side effect of it. But mainly, just to sell you things. I mean, mainly just to, just to sell you and to, to, to sell advertising to you and to place things in front of you that you don't really need, but you maybe want. And, um, and the, they, the time spent on the platforms, you know, these, the, the, the amount of time that's spent on these platforms, they want to, Facebook wants to keep you on Facebook. That's why when you post, li when you post links on Facebook, you should always post them in the comments section if it's a link to another website, which nine times out of ten it is. And you'll see when I post this show, I don't post the show. I mean, I do because it automatically goes out from Libsyn, but I actually repost it and I post it in the comments section because Facebook's algorithm is designed to decrease the amount of visibility to links that click off of Facebook. They, their, their job is to keep you on Facebook as long as possible. If you've ever tried to quit Facebook, Facebook says... Uh, on, their, on one of their closing screens, are you sure you want to go? Brad and Tom and Jenny are really going to miss you. You're not going to be able to talk to your friends anymore. Are you sure you want to go? And then you click on, there. yes, I'm sure. But your niece and nephews have birthdays coming up, and they're going to miss you. Don't you want to watch them grow? I mean, it's sick, the level of manipulation that they go to in order to keep you sucked into their, to their platform. Twitter, Instagram, all these things are designed to release you know, to give you like dopamine hits. I mean, it's essentially like, like using, it's like virtual heroin. And it's, look, these things can be used for good. These things can be used in a, in a positive way. I think the frequency of, of, of the use that we've created, where it's just like omnipresent, you know, people, people used to say, well, how, how, how many hours do you spend on your phone a day? I'd be like, hours spend phone what my phones i'm always in my phone what are you talking about it's just it's in my hand and i'm on it constantly even if i'm talking to somebody else i'm on my phone and that's not i don't i don't like that i don't get a good feeling from that i get a, a and i and so since deleting the social media apps on my phone i have felt profoundly better so now what I have is I have Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter bookmark in a folder called social media in my dropdowns, my bookmarks, 
in in uh, Chrome, which I'm using a DuckDuckGo plugin uh, because they DuckDuckGo is a search engine that uh, prides itself on not tracking you and not selling your data and information. It's uh, encrypted. Um, so, which doesn't really, I mean, like it's one little effort that I'm, that I'm doing, but, uh, you know, realistically, I mean, there's really no escape from, you know, from, from, from the data collectors, you know, from the searchers, from the trackers, like they're, I, I read an article recently that says Facebook tracks you on over 8 million websites with cookies and pixels and, and all these, you know, tracking pixels and all these things. And, you know, I used to work for a company that did social media marketing where our job was to target people on Facebook to sell them ads. So, you know, I, I got out of that because I just didn't really feel like it, it was in alignment with how I felt morally about the, about the issue. I just, I, I don't think that that's contributing to changing society for the better. I don't care if it's a job that's, you know, yeah, well, you know, hey, it pays, you know, it's a got to got to make uh got to make a living, right? I mean, it pays. Find a way to do something else. Find a way. Quit. Do something else. Do something that's contributing to the betterment of the the culture in which we live in to so we don't live in a culture of fucking people coming home from work and you know, sitting in front of the couch watching pregnant teen moms or whatever and uh, whatever the fuck the shows are on now or, or you know, whatever, whatever's happening. I mean, yeah, we're always, I mean, these are the people who are, these are the people who are responsible for the society in which we live in and the people that aren't paying attention, the people that are just going along with whatever the, the you know, whatever's handed to them that's like, oh, that's, that's, that's dumb and entertaining and fun and we don't have to use a lot of brain cells and we don't have to exert a lot of energy and we don't have to think because we're wiped out from working because we have a job that we have to go to every day because we have to pay for a car that we don't need to live in a house that's too big that we don't use. You know, whatever the case may be. I mean, I love that there's a lot of alternative living lifestyles that are taking off now. I love like, you know, whatever, whatever, like the tiny house or micro house or vagabond digital nomads, like these, these types of things, places like couch surfing and stuff like that. I mean, really, I think any, any effort to bring people together in more of a community environment, you know, even like, you know, when I was down in Peru and we would have nights where we would have ceremonies, sometimes people slept in the maloka, the maloka is like the big circular sort of wooden teepee that we would hold ceremonies in. And sometimes after the ceremonies would end, people would sleep there. And I would sleep there too sometimes. And, you know, there's something nice about sleeping in a room with other people in a communal sort of way. And for a large part of our, our existence, we have lived in communities like that where people slept together in rooms. People did things together. They knew each other. They were more connected. And, and the case that I'm making right now is that coming back into this, into this environment, I feel so foreign and disconnected and alien and, and strange after being in such an, an open, honest, and loving, sort of compassionate environment where people are facing the deepest, darkest depths of themselves and slaying their dragons and, and, and looking at themselves 
with with this bravery and this courage to to do deep personal work on themselves so they can heal themselves as individuals and decrease the amount of suffering that they're that they're facing in their life thus creating a ripple effect that spills outward onto the people that they're surrounded by decreasing the amount of suffering that they're projecting onto the world and they're experiencing with the people surrounding them which actually changes the fucking world like that's <laughs> change the world changes your world the changes the way that 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 the society is formed and the values that we have and the and the cultural uh, norms and and these sorts of things i mean these things don't just change you know by themselves they change because people take initiative to make them change um I just finished reading this great book, Tribe, by Sebastian Younger, and he, you know, he talks about when, when, when there's an, a decrease in the level of community, uh, what happens is there's an increase in the level of authority. So, you know, when, when community, like when communities are, are there, people come together for each other. You, you don't need anybody to intervene with, with uh, with an overarching hierarchical, uh, forceful dictator authority, you just have each other, and you're there for each other. I mean, that's that's what happens all the time, right? I mean, I was in New York when Hurricane Sandy happened. When that happened, I had no power. I was on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. I walked outside. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life in New York City. People were just walking up to each other going, hey, are you okay? How are you doing? Do you have power? Is everything all right? Are you okay? People come together in times of tragedy. People come together in times of great, horrific devastation. I mean, that's why I think if Ronald Reagan ever said anything intelligent, he said it when he gave his speech at the United Nations when he said, you know, I, uh, I often think that uh, an extraterrestrial... Uh, attack would uh, bring humanity together, that we would uh, put aside our differences uh, for if UFOs were to make contact. You know, I, I, like, that's what happens in the movie Independence Day, right? Like, that's exactly what happens. The aliens invade Earth, and then the, the nations all have to come together to fight the common threat. I think that was the that was the the atmosphere uh, around right after 9/11. I know for sure I was riled the fuck up after the towers went down. I was a junior in high school when that happened. I I I remember watching that like on television in the morning. And then later finding out that it was also the Pentagon and then there was another plane and I mean that was, it was it was surreal. It was insane. I I, I I couldn't believe, like, everything changed after that. Everything changed. The whole period of time that I grew up, since being born in 1984 to 2001, was a completely, September 11, 2001, was a completely different time than after September 11th. And, but there was a great period of time after September 11th, too. And that period of time was when, George Bush was standing on the, the rubble of the World Trade Center, and he was like, and, I, and you people hear me now. We're going to get the people responsible for this, and they're, they're going to know what, you know we, that we mean business, and they're going to hear us, and we're going to make it happen. And everybody was like coming together like, yes, like we're rallying together. We were attacked. 
Now we're going to go get these people. And, you know, it was a, it was a, a loving coming together experience of people saying like, hey, like, you know, we're all on the same side now. But then, of course, you know, we decided to invade Iraq and then there were all the lies about weapons of mass destruction. And then we took Saddam out and then, you know, there's uh, all, the, all the terrorist groups formed and then it just kept going on and on and on and on and on. And now it's fucking 17 years later, 17 fucking years later. Since the, since the very beginning of the quote-unquote war on terror. Man, I remember see, I, I saw this great quote where someone said like, well, the war, on, the war on drugs produces more drug dealers. The war on terror produces more terrorists. You know? <laughs> I think they said something like, I guess we should, would, uh, we should have a war on education or something like that, you know? But the coming together in, in times of tragedy, I mean, that, you know, the government wants you to, like, the, 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 the government as a system, the way that the system structures is to make sure that it's necessary, it's functioning as a necessary, I mean, essentially it's just an ornament, but it, wa it wants to position itself as, well, if you didn't have us, there would be chaos, total chaos. People, you, would, you people would be eating each other in the streets if it weren't for, for this, this government. And that's just not the case. That's just not the case at all. Because they want to keep you dependent upon them. If you're dependent upon the government, then that means that it legitimizes their, their claim. If there's a threat out there, like this war on terror, if there's terrorists and there's, you know, there's a threat out there, then they, it legitimizes their claim to, to use authority to rule over us. If they can divide us and keep us fighting about things like race and gender and, you know, all this other stupid fucking, which is pr like pretty much meaningless shit, if they can keep us a wedge divided amongst us, then that fractures the community. It keeps people isolated. When people are isolated, they're lonely. When people are lonely, they get depressed. When people get depressed, they get prescribed things like mood stabilizers, SSRIs, and medications like Adderall, which is basically meth. And then they go on shooting rampages, and people wonder why. We wonder why. It's because we're dis disconnected from each other, from the planet, from the cosmos, from the meaning of our lives. There was this great quote uh, in this book that I'm reading by Michael Pollan called How to Change Your Mind uh, about psychedelics, about uh, you know, potentially finding a cure for depression and anxiety and all those sorts of things. And he talks about uh, Dr. Robin Carhart Harris who uh, at the Imperial College of London who was doing the brain imaging scans and, uh, on, on LSD and other things. And one of the things that they found was that there's this, this network in the brain called the default mode network. It's it's a critical network, like one of the most critical networks. It's, central, it's like the central location. He calls it like the command center, the central hub of brain activity. And, you know, he says that what happens is the, the central hub, the central hub, the default mode network actually decreases when you're on a, a psychedelic. It, it, it dissipates. It, it, it lessens. Which was surprising because they thought that there would be an increase in brain activity, uh, but this particular network kind of like you know shut down. And 
I think that's where pe- when people report like ego deaths or, or the lo- the loss of an ego, because essentially what you, what you have in this network in the brain is the the sort of the dictator. The, this is the the dictator of the brain, and what it does is it it makes sure everything is in order and functioning and and proper. But what happens is when when the, when it isn't put into check, when is it when it isn't shut off every now and then and rebooted or like defragged or cleaned like a computer, it runs wild, and it it creates too much rigidity and too much order. And when there's too much rigidity and too much order, it actually creates a a certain kind of form of of chaos. Because it's it's too it's too orderly it's too you know it's too structured it's too rigid there's not enough wiggle room for improvisation there's not enough room for curiosity and create creativity it's shut down and shut down it's walled off it's too rigid it's too strict so if that's the case if psychedelics are able to help people quiet the default mode network of the brain lessen the ego. And then create more of a looser pattern and a and a widened perspective of of all of those rigid structures that this default mode network creates. Then obviously, what's going on here is what Graham Hancock says that you know because we've severed our connection with uh, altered states of consciousness that produce this lower default mode network that opens us up that increases our openness and increases our perspective and, and, and creates a little bit more chaos to balance out the over-rigidity of the order, because of this, we've essentially run off the track and an insane collision course with, with insanity. We've created a sort of prison, a prison of our minds that creates these, these problems, and that prison of our minds then, on a macro level, looks like what we have right now with this with this with this current system that we have this current cultural paradigm that we're that we're living in which is one that's killing us you know it's not so much of the you know the it, we can't just isolate things to saying like well you know psychedelics can help with depression you know people suffering from depression why are people suffering from depression? Why? People are suffering from depression because human beings are not living in, in a climate, in an environment that is suitable to foster the best conditions that a human being most deeply desires. And what a human being most deeply desires is feeling competent feeling useful, feeling necessary, feeling like you're contributing, you have a purpose, that you're doing something meaningful and of value, feeling that you're living genuine and authentic and that you're not faking anything, that you can be who you really are. And feeling connected to other people, like other people understand you, like they know what you're going through. And that you have somebody that you can talk to when you're having a day where you're like, I just don't know, you know, I'm just, I just don't know about this life or I don't know about what's going on or I don't know about my job or I don't know about my girlfriend. And you, who can you talk to? Well, well, I can't talk to anyone about that because, you know, I'm a man and, you know, they'll see me as weak or inferior or, you know, I'll be judged or I'll be criticized or, 
oh, I, I don't know, you know, I shouldn't do that or I shouldn't say that. Well, no, no one's ever said that before. I, I would look weird if I did that or, oh, you know, just judging, judging, judging. And that's the default mode network, the controller and the dictator coming back into play, creating too much order, too much rigidity. You need to learn. And, and, and I think using, you know, having kind of like heroic dose psychedelic experiences in a ceremonial context in the proper set and setting with guides and in a responsible way can be a really great experience every once every three months or four months or five months or something like that. But also in that in-between time, having daily practices of breathing exercise, simply breathing, simply taking in the breath. The breath is life. Just allowing a deep breath to fill your lungs and then breathe out. Do it fast, do it slow, however you want to do it. Just setting aside some time to, to, to close yourself down, to shut yourself down and to just Soak it all in and just be. And you don't have to do it perfectly. But having a daily practice like that sets the reminder in your brain every day, every single day. So you don't, you know, float too far off into space without, you know, without a, a cord attached. So, you know, th this is, uh, th these are some of the things that I've been thinking about. You know, I've been thinking about this community, the need for community, the, the how backwards we have everything here in the West and how people uh, pretend, not pretend, but are feeling bad because they don't feel like they fit in because we're living in this world that's really not... Uh, not conducive to, to fulfilling our deepest human desires. Um, and I think that the you know the more the more the more separated that that we become, the more disconnected that we become, the easier it is for other people to come in there and say, "Hey." I got it. I'll take care of you. And the more likely you are to say, yes, please. Yes, please take care of me. Please. I mean, just look at some of the systematic, you know, uh, racism that, 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 that is uh, inherent in, in some of the, the government programs that exist, like public housing and, and welfare and these sorts of things essentially keeping people in this cycle that they just, their entire reality tunnel, their entire vision of the world is out of this position, out of this position of being in this, you know, generation after generation of, of living in terms of this game rules that have been, in terms of these game rules that have been set up for them and have been set up for them, like I said, for a reason, to keep them dependent, not to help them to keep them inferior, to keep them, you know, like, a, like, an, like an eatable mother. You know, the state is the ultimate, it's that we live in the ultimate nanny state, but the ultimate, ultimate eatable mother. So, so I've been thinking a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about community. Um, we need more community. We need more, you know, the more community that we have, the more individual personal responsibility people take on. 
I mean, it's just because you don't want to let your fellow community members down. You want to show up for them because they're going to show up for you and they have shown up for you. And that's what I've experienced. And really a lot of this stuff, you know, I remember being at the temple and I, and I always hear people asking questions about like, you know, like, oh, can we do this? Or is this allowed? Or can we do that? And, you know, the, the general idea when you're living in a place down in, in, in when you're living in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, a tribal sort of aboriginal native way, in a, in, in a hunter-gatherer sort of tribal way, the main rule really is one of respect. If, if you're doing things with respect, there aren't these, like, these, these overarching general TSA type of, like, nanny state rules. I mean, fucking God damn it. I mean, it's just, just coming back into the States with the fucking TSA and, like, how many times my bag got searched and padded down. I mean, it's just absolute. I mean, you, it's just such a, a, a violation, just such an annoyance. It's such an, it's an annoyance that human beings have been reduced to this kind of pitter-patter of like, oh, go here, sir, here's a line, oh, no, you need that stamp, sir, your bag, sir, are there any liquids in there, sir, are there any liquids in there, sir, sir, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna please take your laptop out, sir. It's secure, I mean, it's fucking security theater. They haven't thwarted one terrorist attack. All they do is steal people's iPads. They're a bunch of, it's just, it's just an illusion to make you feel a certain level of safety if you have to take your shoes off and your belts off and all that stuff. Most people feel, oh, well, uh, I'd rather do that than, you know, have, uh, you know, have someone sneak a bomb on or something. I'd rather fucking, <laughs> I'd rather have my freedom intact. I'd rather ride the tempestuous sea of liberty than be, you know, fucking living in, in, a, in a timid, fearful way. Uh, it's a Thomas Jefferson quote, I forget. He said, timid men prefer the comforts of tyranny as opposed to the, te- the, to the tempestuous sea of liberty. And yeah, that's, that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's ultimately, do you prefer, the, do you prefer co- comfort that's going to you know, kill you eventually? You're just going like, to die in like, a hospital bed like, oh, I'm fucking... Uh, uh, I wish I had, I, I wish I didn't eat so many ham and cheese sandwiches. Or you're gonna, <laughs> or you're gonna, you know, live a life that's like really, truly like out there in the, in the real, in the real world. Like with real people, you know, like connecting your, your, like your heart and your soul to others, you know, exchanging your language with theirs, exchanging your ideas with theirs, you know, building upon, you know, exchanging these, like, these puzzle pieces and then building on them to create new things. And when I mean create new things, I don't mean create a better app. I don't mean create a fucking, like, um, oh, well, now Amazon's introducing drones, so you can, you know, this whole idea of, like, progress, that we're, that we're making things that actually increase the level of efficiency for like deliveries and you know emails and like all this shit it's just like we're just we're making th- a, a ways to to make us more productive at work and the and the, the entire idea of like integrating back into this world after having a profound psychedelic experience i sort of fundamentally disagree with i have to be honest 
And this is the ones, this is the thing that I've been thinking about a lot. It's like, you know, this, this idea of integration to, to, to bring what you've learned from the experience that you've had in the, in the profound psychedelic experiences that, that people have to bring that back and to plug back into this world. It sort of seems crazy to me. I mean, it's, it's, it's like trying to reform the mafia. It's like, well, you know, I'm a good person um, and I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I went on vacation, I learned some things and now I'm going to come back and I'm still going to go back into the, the, the mafia gang that I belong to. And, you know, maybe I can convince them to, you know, get out of, uh, you know, prostitution, sex trafficking and, you know, drug racketeering and all these things. And maybe I can convince them to, you know, not be so violent to people. It's like, no. That's the nature of the system. I mean, sure, there's, there's, there's outliers. There's always outliers. But I, I, think that, I think integration, the integration that needs to be happening is a fundamental change to the, to, the, to the paradigm that we're currently existing in, a fundamental change. That's twice now I've used paradigm on this show. I don't know why paradigm gets such a bad name. I mean, it sounds like a perfect word to use. It means the overarching sort of system of values and beliefs and morals of the current you know, the current zeitgeist of the times, so to speak, if you, if you will, uh, if you'll indulge me for my, uh, my pretentious vocabulary. But, but this is, you know, this is the, this is the sort of system that we're just sort of like going along with. We're allowing this to happen. You know, people want to, people wonder, oh, how did, you know, how did Trump happen or how did this happen or, or whatever, this and that. It's because we, we allow it. We allow it. We allow it to happen because we're not prepared to take the steps necessary in order to take a stand to say no. People are like, well, you know, I really don't like it. But they, 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 they still plug back in. They still use all the social media apps on their phones. They still, you know, and I know, I know how hard it is. Because when I came back, I, was, I, I dove fully in. I got into vicious bridge you know, bridge troll, Twitter arguments and, you know, Facebook arguments and things like this. And I felt the energy of, of me changing and shifting and the tension coming back. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want this. I want where I was before. And I consciously made the effort to, to, to do that. Because as, as Christopher Ryan says, when you have knowledge of both worlds, when you have knowledge of the world of the Western, the Western civilization that we live in today and the world of the hunter-gatherer-style civilization, when you have knowledge of those both worlds, people never choose the modern society. Sure, there might be people that desire that because they, ha- they don't know what it's like. From an outside looking in, you see a world with like shiny, fast cars and all this cool stuff and television and screens and it looks magical and wonderful and cool and weird but ultimately it's not it's not soul nourishing this is not a soul nourishing mainstream world that we have here that's it's really uh it's really killing us and causing us to have you know a lot of problems and so you know when people talk about psychedelics as being a potential help for depression and anxiety and all these things yes but then to just continue living in this world that we've created here, I say no. I say we need a radical transformation in order to, you know, one of my biggest problems with like microdosing, I mean, I'm not against microdosing whatsoever. I've microdosed myself, but I, I make the argument that 
you know, microdosing is 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 a good way to to use psychedelics. I mean, it's it's a good way to sort of like, you know, have a little bit more clarity and have a little bit more an up, uplifted spirit. I mean, it it can be for some people, but also it keeps you in the game. It keeps you in the system. Like it, you're not it's, we're not supposed to be taking psychedelics so we can be more efficient workers. You know, in these sorts of things, we need to totally break the entire structure that we that we currently exist in is is how i feel um when people when people are able to have profound experiences that take them out of their body and connect them deep into their soul into their truth they no longer have the they no longer have the the easily accessible buttons that are 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 so you know so easily pushed by the the manipulators the trendsetters the 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 consumption uh creators they're no lo- those 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 things are harder to manipulate because we've sort of we've deconditioned ourselves from this world that's trying to make us fit into something that that we don't necessarily need but but plays on our desires to want it to say, ooh, I, I, maybe I do want that, or maybe I should get that, or ooh, that looks good, mm, that burger looks good, ooh, that, oh, they got the new cell phone out now, that looks exciting. So, um, so this is one of the things that I've been thinking about, and, and another thing I've been thinking about is this idea of like the self-improvement like, sort of like fad that's... that's I don't know if it's a fad, but it just seems like everywhere I look on Instagram and everywhere else, it's just every, everyone's podcast, every, every article just seems like 10 ways to start your morning off right or like, you know, six killer ab workouts or like, you know, don't eat bread anymore because, you, you know, you're going to be fat and ugly and no one's going to like you. And, you know, all this, just everything, it's just like we're, I read this amazing article in The New Yorker and I, I forget, I forget who... Uh, talked about it, but, or who wrote it, but it was called uh, Improving Ourselves to Death. And it's this, this whole idea that like we're not, there's something wrong with us. We're not, we got to be perfect. And again, this goes back to the idea that we're living in this society that's forcing us to have all these sorts of insecurities and these, and these deficiencies so we can plug the hole with like self-help books and courses and programs. And, and again, just, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that all of these things are bad. I'm just saying that there's an, there's an epidemic uh, in America that is just like you're not good enough. You need to be doing more. You need to be better. You need to be making more money. You need to be driving a better car. You need to be, you know, you need to be looking better. You need to be thinner. You need to be um, healthier. You're not healthy enough. You, you know, you need to relax. You need to drink more. You need to, you know, you need got to watch this show. You got to watch that show. You got to subscribe to this thing. You got to, you know, it's just from an endless amount of like things that people, and it's, I think it's just this madness that's getting created out of the fact that we're, that we're constantly trying to, to plug these holes and to fill these, these voids. But really the real voids and the real holes come from us not having this connection that we have with ourselves at, at a deep level and being generally content and satisfied with just being here right now in this moment with the people that are right around us. If you're listening to this and there's people around you, just, just pause this and just look at them, talk to them, just 
you know, don't look at your cell phone while you're while you're having a conversation with someone. Just be there with them. Don't look at like Twitter and check the. Don't watch the news. Don't check the news for like a week. Delete all your social media apps off your phone. Put it away. Just try it for like three days and see how you feel. Just try not knowing what's happening in 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 the world, but totally know what's happening in your world. What's the real news story of the day in your world? What are the real important things that you need to know in your world, in your life? What matters to you? What are the moments that that matter to you? You know, that is really the key here and I and I hope I I'm I I'm I can make this clear. It's like we live in this society in the West that is constantly trying to take you out of the picture. It's not about you. It's about this image of you, this image or this idea to strive for, this impossible striving for thing. But really, it's, you know, we are all that matter. Like our, us living our lives here, like that is the, that's the real, that's the real deal here. It just feels it just feels so nice when you're around somebody that you want to just be with that person, and you don't need to be constantly, you know, plugged in like an umbilical cord, an umbilical cord to like this 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 internet of just unstoppable information that it's impossible to process. It's impossible to know every single thing. Do you know how many articles I have saved to read later? I probably have a thousand articles saved to read later. Oh, that looks interesting. I can't read it now. I'll just save to read it later. I'm never going to read them. We don't need to know all these things. We don't need to be plugged into all this stuff. Yet there's this there's this desire that we feel like we do, and it's like, oh yeah, we need, yeah, we need. Well, that would be interesting. Well, maybe you know, maybe I'll get around to do, or 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 feeling bad or feeling shame that we're we're not able to get around to the things that we want we want to get around to or do. What's the rush? There's no rush. There's no competition. There's no rush. We live in the in one of the most comfortable, prosperous times in all of history, where all of our needs are basically, all of our basic uh, needs are met. Yet we're creating all this excessive drama for no reason. For no reason whatsoever. Or we're, at least we're allowing other people to ex- exact it upon us. There's a lot of problems, uh, you know, that, that, I, that I sense. And because of those problems that I sense, I feel like, where do I fit? Where do I fit? You know, it's hard for me to plug in. It's hard for me to join. Um, and... I just have an opinion about about everything. So, you know, it's hard for me to go along with the general consensus of what reality is when I'm around people who don't think this way or who look at you in a strange way when you bring things up like this because they're not really prepared to go there. They're not, they, they haven't 
they haven't recognized that there's more to this reality than what they've been told and what they've been sold. And when you're, when you're talking to somebody like that, it just, it's like there's a person there, but they're not really there. So you have this sort of like fake interaction with them because that's all that they can handle. And, you know, it's not necessarily their fault. We should have compassion for them. Compassion that it's like, look, you've been, you've been indoctrinated into a system that, that makes you a slave. I mean, that's, that, that, that essentially is it. I mean, we all, we all are slaves. We're not free people. We're just we're slaves that live in like a, a nice prison. You know, there's this great, uh, I think it's Robert Nozick, The Tale of the Slave. It's like a thought experiment. Uh, I think he was a Harvard professor. And he talks about this thought experiment called the tale of the slave. He says, okay, there's like 10 stages, I think, or, or eight stages, something like that. He says, in the first stage, you're a slave and you're, you have a master who just abuses you on a whim. Whenever he, like arbitrarily just beats the shit out of you. Okay, so that's your living condition. Then in the second stage, the beatings are for are purposeful. It's not just arbitrary whenever he wants. So it's, it's, you would say, hey, that's a little bit better, right? So he only beats you if you dropped a glass and broke it or something like that. But you're still a slave, still get beat, still get punished. Um, then the third stage is, okay, there's, there's no more beatings, but there's, there's punishments or there's, you know, there's, there's reprimandings. Um, there's, you know, there's, there's still, you're still a slave, you're still living under these conditions. And like the fourth stage, he, he says that like you're, you're living, you're, you're living, you're still as a slave and you're with other people and you're in a group and uh, everybody in the group gets to decide how, or, or no, there's a, the master decides like how everything is rash, rationed out, like who gets what food and how much and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Then the next step, uh, okay, you get, you get two days off now. So now you're still a slave, but you, you get two days off. And on those two days off, you can relax uh, you know, in, at, at your slave compound, your plantation, wherever you are, and you don't have to do any work, you don't have to do any chores, but you have those two days off. So you, can, you, know, you could just relax or you could spend time with your family or whatever, but you still have to stay on the premises. Then the, f- the fifth or sixth stage, I forgot what I was up to now, uh, they say that uh, you get those two days off and you can go into town and you can buy things or, or, or buy, I guess you don't have any money to buy things, but you can go into town and you can, you can just, you know, walk around and go to a lake or whatever the hell. You're free, you're free on those two days, but you have to come back. Then the sixth or seventh stage is uh, you're still a slave, and, but now instead of having to work on the, on the plantation that, you, that you're slaving at, you get to choose to work somewhere, anywhere in the town, and you get to make money. And you still have those two days off, but the only, the only, the only uh, fact is that because your master essentially, quote-unquote, freed you to work, to have a choice to work anywhere, you owe him uh, a certain percentage. So you owe him like 30% or 40% of your income, whatever you make, has to go back to him. So you, you, you agree to that, and you go back to that. And then in the last stage, it's like people get the right to vote, and, but you don't have the right to vote. So everybody else can vote, and you can't, 
and they get to decide like you know the new rules and what happens and how much of your money gets taken out and given to the master and all this stuff. And so Nozick says at the end of this theory, he says, well, at what point between these stages, between one and eight, are you not a slave? Is this a story about anything else but a slave? So you see what I'm saying? In all of these stages, you're still a slave. We're still slaves. Slavery has not been abol- abolished. It's been reorganized, and it's been, it's, it, you know, we live in this, in this world right now that exists with like this, as like a clown. It's like a, it's a clown in, in clown makeup, and it's making balloons, and it's like, hey, America, how you doing? All right, everything's great, right? Yeah, look at us. We're cool, and we're friendly, and we're hip, and we're with it. But on the inside, it's going to eat you. It's going to drag you into, su- into a sewer, and it's going to eat you, like the clown from It. And clowns are fucking scary to begin with anyway, so the whole thing is creepy anyway. And you know, most people, the majority of people are like, hey, all right, we're slaves. But at least we're not getting beaten. Okay. But you're not free. And so this has a ripple effect down to everything, right? This, this hierarchy that we, that we live under, this, this oppressive sort of like state-run rule with the, with the um, you know, these people, they're doing things in our name. You know, that's what we have to remember is these elected officials, these people that we have in, in positions of power are doing things that represent us. When we go, you know, when, when other countries look at America, when they think of us, they think of pretty much our government because our government acts on our behalf so if you don't consent to that let it be known you know let it be known because things don't change by not taking action things don't change by just saying like well i i wish it was different but it's not and well someone will do it but not me well it's like no you know i mean how do you fight the galactic evil empire? Hopefully, there's a little bit of a weakness in the Death Star. You know, hopefully, that would be the case. But ultimately, what I'm getting at here is, aside from, you know, they call the, the work with ayahuasca medicine. And it is medicine. It's medicine to help us stop from going fucking crazy. If we don't, if we don't interact with psychedelics, if we don't alter our state of consciousness, if we don't have the right to choose to alter our state of consciousness, let me rephrase that. If, we don't have, if, we don't, if we're not afforded the right, we don't live in a wise society of elders ushering in the, the young and creative minds to thrive in, in a world that's unbounded and limitless, open to, to seize and f- on their potential to create greatness. We live in a world that pushes people through a meat grinder, and most of the people just get are like shards that shoot out of the sides. But some of the people grind through. But what, what, are they, what, what kind of lives are they living? What, what is the quality of their lives? What, are they happy to, to mow their lawn on a Saturday because they got a new lawnmower? That's, your, that's the excitement that you have in your life now? You know? Where's the passion? Where's the fun? Where's the childlike wonder and curiosity 
That's what living is all about. And I think most people are so fucking dead inside that they lost connection with all that stuff. They didn't even realize that they, they had. They just thought, oh, well, this is just what it's like. It's not what it's like. There's multiple doors to be opened. There's multiple rooms to be explored. Modern society has, has gravely you know, disrupted the, the social bonds that have always categorized the human experience. This is, uh, this is something that I've been, I've been reading, uh, I've been reading a lot about, uh, in, in Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe, which, uh, which I recently read, uh, this, uh, book, uh, by Robert Nisbet, uh, The Quest for Community, uh, Carl Jung, um, his book, The Undiscovered Self, The Dilemma of the Individual in Modern Society, where he talks about the relationship you know the comparison between the state and and the church the 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 state is the church now you know we worship it we worship it we participate in its rituals we participate in in its religious fervor the nfl recently said that it's going to find uh, find the teams for players that are kneeling during the national anthem and if people wonder why, it's because the United States military pays, pays the NFL to, to promote jingoism and, and, and propaganda. I mean, you know, to promote these, to make sure that we keep these wars going overseas because they make a lot of people a lot of money. To make sure that, that people come, that make, to make sure that we live in, in a climate of war and a culture of war and a culture of violence that, that, that has school shootings and that has, you know, deadly overseas bombings and, invasions of, of countries and occupations and the slaughter of, of innocents and all these sorts of things. Make sure that we still have that going because, you know, that, that's, that's making a lot of people a lot of money, you know, the defense contractors and the war profiteers and the, you know, the pill pushers, the, 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 the people that are, you know, prescribing all these pills and the insurance companies and the doctors and the banks and the credit cards. And I mean, this whole fucking thing is a racket. It's a racket. And it's like, fuck, is there a way out? Like, it's scary to think that, you know? And I think a lot of times the psychedelic experience can really, you know, people say they had a bad trip or a bad experience. A lot of times what happens is you're so jolted out of this reality and now all of a sudden you have these unconventional thoughts that, that like, oh yeah, like, like this isn't the only way. And like, holy shit, like what Terrence McKenna says in the beginning of the show, like everything that you've ever been told is a lie. Like you look around your your environment and you're like, this is all built on lies. I've been lied to my whole life. And I've been kept out of the I've been kept out of the real thing. They've kept the real thing from me because they don't want you to be an individual. They don't want to empower you to be a responsible individual that has common sense, decency, and respect that can come together and talk in a coherent way and make agreements, voluntary agreements with your fellow man. But that's how people have, have always organized for thousands of years. It isn't until we've gotten into this sedentary state where we have this abundance of things that we have to create all these problems for ourselves that we have people ruling over us telling us how things are or how reality is. That's their version of reality. They're setting the tone. We don't have to accept that. But it, it takes minor changes. It takes these little changes, right? It takes these little things. And so this is 
what's been this is what has been what's on my mind this has been what i'm going through i i still am hesitant to release this podcast because i don't feel like it's up to par i don't feel confident in it i don't feel like it's my best i feel it's a little scattered a little all over the place i feel i don't feel good about it i don't feel like i'm back to my old self yet but you know what i think i'm just going to get it out there and and let me know what you guys think you know um i um I want to make sure that I'm putting out quality content. And, uh, you know, I think this podcast is, is a reflection of just some of the things that I'm going through and some of the things that I'm seeing as I enter back into the world, coming from living in the jungle for this long period of time, living in community and working with a sacred, in a sacred context. That was another thing that I wanted to bring up. I, I was uh, reading uh, Shamanism by Mircea uh, Eliad, and um, he talks about this this notion of the sacred and the profane these sacred spaces that we don't have anymore like our 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 communities our our society our civilization at large doesn't doesn't create spaces for sacredness and this is you know this isn't some woo woo like hippie you know stuff this is the reality of what the human being needs the human being needs time and space and and we don't need to be rushed on this treadmill to try and like you know do all these things that we don't want to do just so we can pay for this existence that we don't want to have we we can do better and um i hope to do better i hope to do better i hope to produce better podcasts i hope to to read more and come up with a more streamlined and coherent theory for for a lot of the things that i want to talk about i i plan on writing a book and and the thesis of that book is is going to be about a lot of the things that I'm sort of fleshing out in this podcast and a lot of the things that I've I've been talking about and um you know I I just I really truly deeply believe that uh <clears throat> that coming together in communities and empowering individuals to take responsibility encouraging sacred spaces and working with profound spiritual uh, elements that produce altered states of consciousness in order to uh, have fun, in order to look at life in a more lighter way, is why we are here on this planet. We're not here on this planet so we can build, uh, you know, the biggest rocket ship to fly to to Saturn, you know, to see what kind of gas they have there. We haven't, we haven't even gone inwards in ourselves yet. We can't even come together as a species yet. How are, you know, there's this great, um, there's this great, like, story. Uh, there's a great story that um, I'm trying to think of what it was. I, I watched it during a Wim Hof breathing course, and he tells a, about these wizards that are getting together to create the universe, and they're, they're putting all these things in all these places, and they say, now what to do with the soul? What to do with the soul of man? What should we do with the soul of man? Where should we put that? And one of them says, oh, I know. We should just put it, uh, let's put it in, on top of a mountain. You know, that'll be a good place to put it. And he says, no, no, because the, the, the man, they, they invent, you know, these, this gear and this equipment and they'll put it on all these snowshoes and these hooks and these things and they'll... They'll climb to the top of the mountain and they'll find it and they'll put it in a museum and they'll say, look at what I've got. Look what I found. 
Okay, what if we put it and we hide it at the at the bottom of the ocean? What about that? No, they'll they'll invent some thing and they'll travel down there and they'll they'll get it and they'll bring it back and they'll show it to all their friends and you know, they'll be on every TV station and they'll say, "Look at what we have. We found this thing. Look at it. It's, you know, blah blah blah." Okay, what if we hide it out in space? It's like, no, they're 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 adventurers, they're explorers, they're curious. They'll build something, they'll build a rocket ship, they'll They'll fly out there. They'll they'll find it. They'll get it. You know. They'll they'll bring it back. And what 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 can we do? Where are we gonna put this thing? And one of them has an idea, and he says, "I know. What if we hide it in man himself? Because that's the one place he never looks." Yeah, you know, all this exterior progress, all this exterior outward exploration of extrinsic values that we think that are so important to us. You know, all these these measurements of success and progress that we have. Well, you know, we have all these, we have iPhones now, so clearly, you know, we live in a better time than, you know, the uh, Aboriginal hunter-gatherers did. Do, Do we? Well, yeah, sure, because they they died at thirty five. Did they? Well, yeah, there was you know there was all kinds of diseases and illnesses, and you know people got sick, and uh, you know it was, it was terrible, it was horrible. Was it? Or is that the story we're being told, so that the government? and the positions of authority in our society that hold the strings together, that, that form the fabric of what the, what the culture is, are we being told that so that we don't, so that we say to, to them, well, thank you for, for keeping everything together because without you, we'd be you know, sick and dead at 35 and we, we'd have illnesses and, and all this terrible stuff. I don't, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, that we should just burn down civilization and start living in loincloths and, and not worry about getting sick. What I'm saying is we've come this way. We have this stuff now. The choice is on us. Human beings are very adaptable. In the book Born to Run, uh, Christopher McDougall talks about how human beings have evolved uh, to run uh, barefoot and how the shoe industry is a racket. Nike selling sneakers with air in them and all this kind of stuff. It's all a fucking racket that came in, into invention in the 70s as a way to just to make money. I mean, and look at the sneaker industry now. It's insane. But human beings were evolved to just run barefoot and for hundreds of miles. Human beings can sweat. So that's the way that we cool ourselves down. And we've evolved to run down animals because they, like an antelope, a pack of human beings would just run it down to death. We'd be able to sweat and cool ourselves off and they wouldn't be able to. So when the animal stopped to try and catch its breath, we'd kill it and then we'd have dinner. And that's how we evolved. But where's that story? You don't hear that. No one's, no one's telling you that because the shoe companies have a vested interest because everybody has a vested interest in keeping the story the way that it is. But also my, my point is that we, we wear shoes now. 
And so we've adapted to that. And we can adapt. We're, we're adaptable. We, we can adapt to changing conditions. That's the, that's the main like, function of what, con- what, what contributes to a human being's success is our adaptability. But it's like, what do we want? Do we want to adapt to this virtual reality technological world? Because we can adapt to it, but do we want to adapt to it is the real choice. All right. This episode has been about an hour and a half now. And once again, yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to thank everybody for listening and for, for really, you know, for, for getting through this episode with me. Um, and it feels good to be back. I still feel a little unbalanced. I still feel a little like shaken by you know, coming back into this environment and sort of, you know, trying to integrate fully from, from the experience that I had there and really try and uh, take the lessons and remember the, the profound insights and remember the feelings and remember the level of contentment and happiness and connection that I felt there and try and implement it into this world that, that is so trying to suppress all of that and keep you uh, against it. So it's up to, it's up to me to seek it out and to find it. And that's what I will be doing. So to give you a little bit of an update of what will be happening, I, I might be heading back to Peru. I might not. Um, I might potentially be doing something with the temple, with, uh, with podcasting. Um, maybe that might happen, so we'll see. Uh, if that doesn't happen, I plan on doing a, a little bit of traveling. And really what I want to do is I, I just want to travel around all over, no matter where. And I want to talk to interesting people, and and um and I want to you know rec- rec- I want to like document my experience as well as I'm traveling, what I'm what I'm seeing, what I'm learning, uh, and these sorts of things. And so, um, I want to come to a community near you and connect, connect with like-minded people, and and have uh and have discussions about uh, about these about these things, and uh and have talks you know, about them. And, and one of the other things that I want to do is really starting to, to formulate um, more and more of a solid core thesis uh, for, for this whole podcast, really. The, all the solo shows that I do, you know, talking about these things that I feel so passionately about that I feel very, uh, like I feel are very important um, topics to discuss. I really want to solidify my arguments a lot more, and I really want to um, come up with some some better, mm, I don't know, more of a cohesive argument. I would say more of or cohesive theory. But that's uh, that that's going to take a lot of time. And that's going to take some planning and some things like that. But that's what's on the way. That's what's cooking up. And so I'm sorry if uh, if you guys wanted to hear like you know my 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 ayahuasca accounts and you know, the, the, the visions I had and the ceremonies I had and all that stuff. Maybe I'll tell those tales one day, but for now, you're getting what my perspective is on, on life. <laughs> well, this has been Mikeadelic. You have been listening to a Mikeadelic podcast. Thanks for joining. See you next time. Peace.